When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break, and at the worst possible time. Call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Pat and Stu, today is a uh, huge day um, in movie lore because Back to the Future presented uh, it. Uh, they went, when they went to the future, mm-hmm. they went to 2015. Mm-hmm. Not only did they go to 2015, they went to October 21st, 2015. Today. Which is today. Mm-hmm. Which so they're is here today. somewhere now. Yeah. We know that. Marty's know running that. around. Factually. Downtown, um, whatever. Hill Valley. Hill Valley. Mm-hmm. Down in, so if you live in Hill Valley, look for him today because he's there. He's there. Um, it, it's, it's kind of fun because the Cubs are actually, well, they're probably not going to win because they're down three zip. But yeah. it, it was predicted uh, in the newspaper or you know, it was represented it was in on the, the screen. Paper. Yeah, it, it, that that they won the World Series. Yeah, they, they, they'd be like, you know, Cubs win World Series um, uh, in a sweep. Um, now they they did say it was a, a, a nine game series, which is not a nine game World Series. Um, and it's of course the ALCS and the NLCS going on now. But they're they're in the NLCS, and the crazy thing is they may get swept today. They may right. be swept uh, to show how bad it is to be a Cubs fan. Um, because I, you know, even as an Eagles fan, and right now a Blue Jays fan, it's not so great either. Uh, but I don't want to. There's been no Super Bowl since 1960, and that wasn't even a Super Bowl, okay, for the Eagles. But to be a Cubs fan and to have uh, since 1908, they haven't won the World Series. They've gone through all of these torturous things throughout history, and then the the movie in 1985 predicts they're going to win the World Series. It all of a sudden looks like they're going to. They have the best team they've had in a long time. And now they may get swept on the day it was supposed to happen. <laughs> it is, it's the ultimate kick in the stomach for Cubs fans. Yeah, and I'll bet you some Cubs fans thought that the yeah. movie was yeah. actually going to play out. I mean, it is kind of amazing. We've talked about this a little bit before. The Cubs obviously haven't won the World Series since 1908. They had, you know, they've had their chances, and they've had just, just, just ultimately destructive experiences for their fans. Um, but then... At the time, there was no team in Florida that because it said it was going to be Cubs versus uh, Miami. Mm-hmm. There was no team in Florida. Then they put a team in Florida, and they called it the Florida Marlins, not the Miami Marlins. Then they changed it just a couple of years ago to Miami. Now, they didn't make it. To, they were not good this year. But still, it's kind of amazing that the team, they predicted the team actually being in <laughs> yeah. existence, yeah. Um, which it was, <laughs> although I think it was an alligator or something was their symbol. Um, point being here that uh, Back to the Future uh, predicted a lot of things, including 9-11. Thank you. Um, what? There was a documentary online that now is showing the truth, which I, we've been, so Jeffy and I, I think, locked down a long time ago, which is that Back to the Future actually predicts 
What time is it on the clock at the mall? Uh, 116, which if you look at it upside down and in reverse, 911. <laughs> now, yes, it sounds like down Gary the Numbers Guy. It does a little bit. However, this is a, now some would say this is just a fantastic <laughs> level of detail for a film, which is uh, when when they go to the, the the mall at the beginning of the movie, it's Twin Pines Mall. Um, when they when he goes back to the past, Marty goes back to the past. He freaks out and drives his car, and he drives it over a, a pine tree destroying a small pine tree in the past. When they go back to 1985, it is now called Lone Pines Mall because Marty, of course, destroyed one of the two pines. It's a fantastic detail. I mean, mm-hmm. I always thought that was the most amazing thing that they took That's that cool. time and realized yeah. it. But that you could say that, or you could say that it was a twin towers. Now there's only one yep. tower because the other tower was destroyed by someone driving something into it. Because the pines were the towers. The t- pines were the towers. The pines, pines were, the, were towers. the towers. Towers. Mm-hmm. And you see this in the future. They go through that as well. It's actually the great. I mean, I'm surprised this is so out like good. this, though, that we're, I mean, we haven't talked about it openly because we felt like it was just too much information for people to grasp. Yeah. Well, you know, and we now, were killed. But now it's out. Someone else has finally okay. put it out there. So we can, we, mm-hmm. we can come out with the truth that it is true. Back to the Future was really nothing to do with entertainment. It was just a way to warn people about the Muslim terrorists. Right, the Libyans? The Libyans who okay, come. They, they happen to be Saudis, so they didn't get the right country, but still. Oh, well, that's just, still, oh, okay. just a small they, they little detail. They couldn't just give it fully no, away. they couldn't. Because uh, so, yeah. then we could have avoided it, and they didn't want us to. No. But uh, they just wanted to predict it, and they did. So um, kind of cool, because you uh, actually have an interview about uh, about some of this. Yeah, there's a great documentary coming out. Um, it's about uh, Back to the Future and the backstory kind of behind it, what happened behind the scenes. This, it's, it's an amazing story. And look, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of it. I've watched these movies about a thousand times each. Uh, it's, you know, I, going back to when I was a kid. I mean, these are like my favorite movies um, when I was a kid. But uh, there's so much detail behind it. And we did an interview with uh, the guy who did the documentary on The Wonderful World of Stew. Watch. <laughs> to credit one person for molding my values and sense of humor have to be Michael J. Fox. It's actually a much longer story I'll tell you later, but sorry about that, Glenn. You're great and all, but uh, when I was young, I wanted to be just like the characters Michael J. Fox played on Family Ties and Back to the Future. He was, of course, my childhood hero, and the Back to the Future movies literally shaped my adolescence. Here to reveal some of the magic behind how the Back to the Future movies came to be is author of We Don't Need Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy, Kasim Gaines. Welcome to the program, Kasim. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I, uh, I'm really excited about this because I'm a, I'm a junkie. I've watched every one of those movies like a thousand times. And I think uh, they're on pay television on HBO or something all the time. There's always one of them airing at 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Absolutely. I I just turned on the TV the other day and I was watching some reality show that was on. And as soon as it ended, Back to the Future Part 3 came on and I said, oh, my God, I can't escape it. (laughs) It's everywhere. You you never will. Uh, So let's go through some of this, because the big thing, the reason there's a lot of news about this, um, uh, obviously, your your book is out. But uh, it's because of 2015 is the year, the year in the movie uh, that was where they went into the future. So we're here. It's Back to the Future Days coming up in October. Um, So. Uh, kind of go through, uh, let's go through some of just the history of this. 
Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox, um, he wasn't, was he the actual original choice for that role? I know Eric Stoltz started doing that. Can you kind of go through how that came to be? Sure. So when Back to the Future was written, uh, Michael J. Fox was always the first choice. However, he wasn't available because he was filming Family Ties. Actually, Family Ties debuted on this day in 1983, so this is the anniversary of that, too. Mm. And uh, Michael J. Fox wasn't available. The head of the studio really wanted Eric Stoltz because Eric Stoltz had just filmed Mask, the movie with Cher, and the head of the studio really enjoyed it. Now, if you've seen Mask, you know that the demands of that character are very different than the demands of Marty McFly, but <laughs> yes. the head of the studio didn't really get it. <laughs> and so um, he more or less forced Eric Stoltz upon them. Um, and Eric is a really great actor, but he isn't, um, he doesn't have the same level of comedic chops that Michael J. Fox has. I sort of liken it to if you cast Meryl Streep as Melissa McCarthy's part in Bridesmaids. You know, <laughs> it, it's not a question of, of competency. It's a question of whether or not you have the right person for the right job. Um, that would be an I, interesting I, movie, though. I do want to see that movie uh, pretty me badly. Me too. I, I, I want to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so what ends up happening in that case is Eric Stoltz films for about four weeks um, he really has a very rough time. He tries very hard, but Robert Zemeckis, the director, just can't get the performance out of him that uh, he wants. And so they start to make moves to fire Eric Stoltz, and um, they make the decision to let him go. They get Michael J. Fox on board. At that point, Family Ties was nearing the end of its season, so he was going to be a little bit more available. And... Um, they Eric continued to shoot for another two weeks. I mean, he he had no idea that behind the scenes he was uh, fixing to be replaced. Hmm. Now, one of the most famous things from Back to the Future, of course, the DeLorean. Uh, it was not, however, in the original screenplay, was it? No, actually, the DeLorean. Um, the movie was greenlit before the DeLorean was even in the script. Um, it was a really late-breaking decision. Originally, the time machine was a chamber, like a refrigerator, and Marty would go into it and um, would sort of get zapped into another time period. And when, you know, when he left the chamber, he'd be somewhere else. Um, the problem that they had with that was the climax of the film was going to have the time machine um, involved in a nuclear reaction. So they had to drive to Nevada where they were doing these tests. And they just thought, what a boring climax to have this pickup truck driving this refrigerator across the desert. So uh, John DeLorean was in the news at the time. Of course, we all remember his uh, troubles, his legal issues. And uh, Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis said, you know, that car looks futuristic, but is so 80s. And John DeLorean has such a sketchy reputation right now. Um, that would be like the kind of thing that Doc Brown would use. You know, Doc Brown's a dangerous <laughs> character. Um, and, you know, John DeLorean's a dangerous character, too. So that's where that idea came about. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so let's kind of go through, because I'm, I'm fascinated by some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that went on, and you really cover uh, throughout the book. One of the strangest things that I didn't realize this as a kid watching these movies, but Crispin Glover, who who plays the dad, yes. uh, he, George McFly, is not actually in the second and third movie with any new material. They had to piece it together because he didn't sign on for those movies. Explain how that went, because it's really it's, it's fascinating. It actually was a precedent setting thing for the film industry. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, Crispin Glover is a very odd character. You know, anyone who's met Crispin Glover for more than 15 seconds will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, what was interesting to me in talking to people was um, how polarizing he was. All of the actors loved him and loved working with him. They thought that he was a genius. And all of the crew members thought that he was annoying and bizarre and unprofessional um, and whiny. And so when it came time to negotiate contracts for the sequels, um, Crispin uh, really felt like he had been mistreated on the set of the first film by Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale. And he wanted a lot of money. He wanted as much money as Michael J. Fox was getting. Um, The producers had a really rough time working with Crispin. And so they didn't want to pay him much of anything, frankly. They didn't want to give him too much of an increase over his salary. And so they um, agreed to disagree at the end of the day. What they what ended up happening was, um, because Back to the Future Part Two goes back into the first film, they revisit material from the first film in the second, they needed an actor who looked like Crispin Glover. Um, they didn't find anyone, but they found someone named Jeffrey Weissman, the character actor, um, who did a great uh, sort of impersonation or portrayal of Crispin as George McFly. They put that actor in Crispin's old age makeup from Back to the Future, the first one, um, and made him, made Jeffrey look like Crispin as George McFly. Um, and then they obviously used a couple um, seconds of footage, as you mentioned before. The problem was that Crispin ended up suing Universal for uh, essentially stealing his likeness. He, he argued that, you know, as an actor, you have, you know, your face is a part of your product. And if someone can just sort of steal your face, they are preventing you from being able to get work. Um, it never went to trial, Universal settled um, out of court, but Crispin ended up getting a substantial chunk of money for it, and now um, Crispin maintains that there's sort of a precedent set that you you can no longer do that. You can no longer um, make an actor look like another actor without that first actor's um, permission because hmm, i mean they really they went that pretty far like they did things to hide i remember him hanging upside down for example in one scene in the future of one of the movies i can't remember second or third yeah, one. It was the second, second one second one all right and like so like you don't because if you don't normally see a face upside down it was like a way to hide the fact that it wasn't the same guy yeah. and that's kind of an amazing thing usually when you have a character where they change out the actor through sequels it's a complete disaster and they were actually able to sort of pull that off to the point that at least me as a kid, I didn't even recognize that it happened. Yeah, me neither. And I, I'm sure that if it were any other actor who wasn't, um, who didn't have such an axe to grind as Crispin did, you know, with these producers, um, maybe Universal, maybe we wouldn't even know today. You know, maybe Crispin wouldn't have made such a big deal out of it. But, um, you know, Crispin really um, was personally offended by it and um i'm sure his relationship with bob and bob uh helped his quest (laughs) to to get justice (laughs) all right so um back to the future part three um they actually made some improvements kind of to the delorean in that film can you explain yes um i don't know if anyone out there owns a delorean but um if so you probably know it's very difficult to get it up to 88 miles an hour um (laughs) it's a really really bad car um and so (laughs) To take, you know, Back to the Future Part 3, which is a Western, it's all uh, shot up in Northern California, there was no way that they were ever going to get this car 
to function like a car in the desert. So they had to put a different engine in. They had to put the car sort of on a suspension system. And if you look at that film, you'll notice that the DeLorean sits about two or three, or about two feet higher than it normally would because it was the only way that they could keep it powered. The other sort of funny thing is throughout all three films, um, they had an entire crew dedicated to just maintaining the car because things would fall off of it. It would, you know, <laughs> crap out on them. You know, there were all of these things that would happen to it. Um, it the DeLorean is just a very, very bad vehicle. So yeah. it took a lot to, to keep it running. Yeah, actually, our own Glenn Beck here actually owned a DeLorean back in the 1980s uh, and uh, sold it to another person who was his friend at the time, um, who he he told him, this is a terrible car and you're going to hate it. Uh, I will <laughs> give you one week to change your mind and I will take it back and return your money. And in that week, he actually changed his mind and made Glenn take the crappy car back. So, and Glenn's a man of his word, so he took it back. <laughs> he actually did take it back, yeah. Um, so uh, at the end of the, uh, the third one, uh, they smashed the DeLorean. The DeLorean uh, dies in a uh, horrible train accident. Uh, what was the feeling around the set? I would assume, like, you've gone through this kind of emotional connection with this car, and it's brought you through these three movies. What, what, what was it like on the set as that happened? Well, it's very funny. I, I asked um, everyone that was on set that day that question, and uh, everyone said it was bittersweet, and um, they really hated to see the car smashed, except for Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis, who said they were so tired of that car <laughs> by by the time they got to that point in, in the shooting process. Um, they were not only happy to see it go, but they were also um, happy to sort of put Back to the Future behind them, or, or so they thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're still answering questions today about it. Right. Uh, you go into all of them. Uh, in We Don't Need Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy, Cassine Gaines, it's a great book. And if you're like me and just, you know, every time the stupid movie is on HBO, you watch the whole thing again, you can't explain to your wife why you're watching it for the thousandth time, uh, then you need to get this book. Kasim, thanks so much for coming on the program. A pleasure. Thank you. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. And then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now.